Good morning. It's time for Awaken with Dr. Joe and Mark Holcraft. Awaken airs the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with the Executive Director of Real Presence Radio, Mark Holcraft, and his brother, Dr. Joe Holcraft, Professor and Director of the High Calling Program at the Avila Institute. Together with a mix of national and local personalities, connecting examples in church history, contemporary relevance, and lively witness of the saints, Mark and Joe will share how the Holy Spirit is working to awaken in all of us a deeper sense of what we are made for, a life in Christ. Good morning. Welcome to Real Presence Radio's Awaken. Uh, I am your host for this morning, Mark Holcraft, shared with my brother, Dr. Joe Holcraft. Good morning, Joe. How are you? I am doing well, Mark. As always, great to be with you, brother. Thank you. It's great to be with you, too. Um, I feel like it's been a little while, uh, which, I mean, two weeks is two weeks, but there's been a lot happening, um, mm. I think, on your end and on my end with some some travels, and that's good. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know what? Let's let's dive in. This morning's topic, we continue with prayer. You know, we could go on for, about prayer forever, <laughs> uh, but we're talking prayer, intercessory prayer, uh, but praying with specifics. And Joe, I have to say, when, when it comes to the regard of intercessory prayer, praying with specifics is probably one of my favorite. Um, hmm. I think because it, it's pretty intrinsic to when I initially learned and first was really learning just how to pray. Mm. And the importance mm. of prayer and the importance of be specific with what you ask for, uh, yeah. but not just in what you ask for, but just um, it's as much a gift and mercy for yourself as it is maybe for whomever you're interceding for, because um, too often and too easily, we just play mind games with ourselves. We go to the yeah. Lord, we come before the Lord and we say, hey, uh, and he, he asked for something in prayer without being intentionally uh General, too general. Yeah. You know, and, um, but before we dive in too much here, let's go ahead and let's begin in prayer. Hmm. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we thank you for this opportunity you give to us. And Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would open up the minds and hearts of each of us and all our listeners. Help us to continue to know how to pray. In the words of St. Paul, teach us to pray as we ought. And as you teach us, Lord, may our disposition always be to be receptive to the promptings of your Holy Spirit, especially when confronting our own ego and our own pride. May we come to you in littleness so that in our littleness, Lord, you would be big. Mother Mary, we ask for your intercession as a model of prayer and a model of discipleship. Please surround each of us and our families with the mantle of your grace. Hail Mary full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Joe, so good to be with you. And I, I realized I already I threw out the teaser. <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and I had to, again, withhold myself, but praying with specifics, you know, there's, the, there's kind of, there's three key points. I'm just going to dive right in. There's three key points. And I know 
you have a great insight into each. One, be personal. Two, pray the deepest prayer of faith. And I'm intrigued. What do you mean by that? Pray the deepest prayer of faith. And three, mm. keep a list of your intentions and create a sacred space. And I like that yeah. uh, just because it's practical and some, it's just tangible. And I find that that's such a gift for our listeners. Um, mm. But first, let's dive into be personal. What are you getting at with that, Joe? Yeah, well, Mark, we're both fathers. And we love when our children come to us um, and they are intentional with what they desire right? In fact, just this morning, <laughs> earlier this morning, when my son woke up, he, he asked something of me, and it was uh, in, in very general terms, if you will. And I asked him to be more specific. Uh, dare I say, I asked him, what is it that you're asking? Right? We have talked before, Mark, on a number of occasions already in our brief, pro- uh, brief programming that our Lord asks lots of questions, and it's not so much for his sake in as much as it is for our sake. Why? Because he desires specifics. He wants us to be more specific. And so for us, Mark, as fathers, just as we desire our children to be specific, so does God. And certainly this is what we read in Scripture again and again. I think maybe the most a uh, clear example of this could be found in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. And and I know we haven't done a lot of reading of sacred scripture, but I do think, Mark, we need to read this text because it is uh, alarming to this point. Uh, and this is, again, Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. Uh, of course, the, the healing of Bartimaeus. And they came to Jericho, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, rise, he is calling you. And throwing off his mantle, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, and pay close attention to these words, Mark, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Master, let me receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him on the way. Uh, (laughs) Here in this passage, Mark, certainly Bartimaeus recognized the power of this man, and this is why he cried out. And interestingly, he identified Jesus of Nazareth as uh, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now, that's a very important title that we don't have time to get into, but nonetheless, one that is inherent to the value of this narrative because certainly Jesus' ancestry and him being the son of David was very important um, in the mind of the faithful Jew. So he identifies him rightfully as the son of David, and then he calls him over. And I love that, Mark, because I think this is a point we often overlook with respect to the church. We so often define the church as uh, the assembly of believers or the congregation or people of God. And this is what the ecclesia generally means. But the actual uh, Greek there, um, ekklesia, um, 
to be called out from something and into another thing, right? So when Jesus calls him, right, he's calling him out from his place that he was into a new place. And this is the role of the church. This is what happens in baptism, Mark, right? Um, We've been called out from a former way of living into a new way of living. And when we are, he asks us the question, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And then he says, Master, I want to see, right? He's very specific. I want to see. Now, why do we go there into this gospel, Mark? Because, well, quite simply, Jesus asked for specifics. And why? Because God is not some abstract, impersonal force, but the God who is living, right? The flesh dwelt among us. He desires to go into the minutia of every detail of our life. And as he does, he asks the question, what do you want me to do for you? Well, <laughs> we're talking about intercessory prayer. So if we're going to another, uh, going to Jesus on behalf of someone else, that response is, well, I, want, I am asking that you heal this person or uh, help uh, a friend on a test or whatever that petition might be. And as we do, we are mindful, Mark, that he is a father who desires to hear uh, the most intimate of details. And, you know, Mark, I started off by talking about who we are as fathers because there is something powerful when our children not only are specific, but are asking something from us specifically for someone else. I don't know about you, Mark, but as a dad, right, especially if it's his sibling, my heart is overjoyed if, say, my oldest son, Colby, is going uh, to me on behalf of his younger son, Isaac, right? Unless they're kind of teaming up on me or something. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if it's a genuine ask, if it's a genuine petition or supplication, um, am, am I going to um, say yes to that? You know, if if I see it fit and, and, and the larger design and, and what's good for Isaac, my younger son, well, of, of course I'm going to. And I'm overjoyed to do so, especially if it's his older son coming on, you know, coming to me on his behalf. So something to think about, Mark, as we begin to talk uh, in greater detail about the importance of detail with respect to intercessory prayer. God loves the details. It's why he asks us questions, right? Because not for his sake, but for ours, he wants to know them. And as he does get to know them, ultimately, he loves to lavish his life and his love upon us. Oh, I, Joe, I agree. There's, there's, <laughs> there's so many layers as to what you just threw out there. Um, but, and I'm, I'm, so I'm going to peel, peel those layers one at a time. <laughs> in one aspect you talked about, uh, and specifically going back to the scripture in verse 51, what I'm taken by, he's, you know, when Jesus says, what, is, what do you want me to do for you? Uh, and the blind man replied, master, I want to see, um, in scripture, even, even just the word see, it's so much more than just see it's so much more mm-hmm. than just the physical sense, but it's also a way of knowing. And, and so there's this whole dynamic in the, at work here with Bartimaeus saying, I want to see, I want to know, you know, and there could be so much that not least of which, yes, he wanted to be healed. You know, so there's the the physical reality, um, 
but he what also the the play here is I want to be seen. Mm-hmm. You know, and we read mm-hmm. a little bit earlier, you know, people are just so used to him. You know, they they're used to his presence. In fact, they're trying to shush him up and quiet him, you know. And but he wants to he wants to see but in that desire to see, to know is also to be known, mm-hmm. you know. And I think um, on so many, in so many ways, and so many layers to that, that is often also at the heart of our prayer request. What is it that you want me to do for you? We'll have our request, but to know that that for which we are asking and praying for would be known, would be known, and it's at the core of our identity to be known. And again, just like you said, Joe, that's not for his sake, but for our sake. And so how that gets reciprocated for our sake, that confirmation of, yes, Lord, you have heard the cry of my heart. Not only have you heard the cry of my heart, you know for which that I desire. But just like you said, and you know, and if Joe, if you and I as heavenly as as earthly fathers, yeah, rejoice in the way kids can be more particular in how we are more inclined to come and to want to give and to be ready to give that which we can to our kids. You know, even I think of, I think of Sophia, my daughter, part of it's just the age that she's at. She's five years old, but I think of our, our kids in general, there's been a certain point and totally it's an age appropriate dynamic trying to teach and foster goodness. If our kids approach their siblings with the need to apologize mm-hmm. and they'll just come and they'll just say, I'm sorry. And that's good. It's a step. But sometimes it's also a little easier. It's like, well, what are you sorry for? Name it. Hmm. Name it. And it, <clears throat> excuse me. And I would say it'd be the same, not just in the in the sense of uh, asking forgiveness or apology or reconciliation, but there's something that happens when they name it. Well, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, hmm. please help me. Well, okay. I mean, Lord, have pity on me. Like you said earlier, you know, going back to the reading from Mark 10. Well, okay. But what does he want me to do for you? He wants the particulars, just like you're saying. And I think of with our kids, when they are more specific, uh, it is so true. Just this past weekend, Joe, we celebrated Father's Day. You know, and what a gift and joy it was. Uh, And one of the things that Meredith initiated, I was not expecting it, and it was beautiful. Over dinner, she just said, okay, guys, I want you each to say one thing that you like about dad. You know, and it was in that moment, it was a mini affirmation session. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And it, it was good, and I, I was moved for sure, and it was a gift for me. But in that nature, it was as much a, a need for them to say and to be specific. You know, of course, you know, kids being kids, boys being boys, uh, especially if it gets to be a little bit awkward, you know, it's hard not to laugh, hard not to make light of it or little yeah, or... Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they got to build up to it sometimes, I think. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But in that, when they started getting specific, well, that's when I was moved. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was more inclined to want to give some kind of reply. So it's that, that interaction. And I think it's so much more with our Heavenly Father. And this is, Joe, this is true for anybody. You, know, you and I are giving examples about our kids. And it, I think it provides a great visual. So many of our listeners, and we can relate to each other. But the deeper truth and principle in it is it applies to any and all. Yeah. You know, I am also, I'm also a son, mm-hmm. you know, and we approach the father. Now, our dad passed away when we were in high school, but nonetheless, how we approach the father, you know, while we're here just this past weekend, you know, 
our mom, Joe. So our mom is with us here right now in yeah. uh, North Dakota and yeah. she's hearing it, but it's the same idea and not how we, you know, the visual, we go to our parents, but to go to the heavenly father, uh, that's never going to grow old for me. I'm always that child, hmm. you know, and yeah. for our earthly parents, it just provides, you know, there's more words to it, but just the visual, it gives a deeper sense of a deeper truth, right? Mm-hmm. And that we, our parents are there in some way, God willing to reflect the heavenly father and the father's love and God's love for us. That I just don't want that to fall empty on the ears of our listeners. Yeah. That it, Cause it's, it will always and forever be that way until the day we die. Amen, Mark. And you're tapping into something right now that's uh, uber important, right? Because imagine yourself there in the midst of this narrative, looking at Bartimaeus as he's opening his eyes and he's being loved by Jesus through his own eyes. Indeed, he's being known, he's being seen. You know, Robert Frost once said that the eyes are uh, windows into the soul. Imagine looking into uh, God the Father's eyes through Jesus, his son, right? And in doing so, being seen, being seen by uh, Creator, yes, but 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 the Son of the Father is a powerful, powerful reflection because it is our deepest desire to be known and loved by God. And this is what is taking place in this beautiful encounter. And something I think that, as you highlight, really really lies at the heart of the narrative. Well, Joe, I don't mean to change topics. We are coming to a break here pretty soon. And so uh, when we come back, we'll be talking about pray the deepest prayer of faith. What do we mean by that? And then just practically keeping a list of your intentions to create a sacred space. So all this, and we come back talking about praying with specifics. Myself, Mark Holcraft with Dr. Joe Holcraft. Stay with us. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more after this short coffee break. You're listening to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Did you know you can listen to the RPR Network when you're on the go? Just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts, including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Welcome back to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now back to more lively, faith-filled conversation with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. Welcome back to Awaken with Mark Holcraft, myself, and Dr. Joe Holcraft. Uh, we're talking intercessory prayer and praying with specifics. Uh, Joe, in our last episode, we talked about praying on the spot. Mm-hmm. And one of the particulars is just how powerful that is. Mm-hmm. And, and not just the general loose term of powerful, but tapping into the power of God. And I think this is one of those, it's one of those things we don't talk about enough, to be frank. We don't mm-hmm. talk about the power of God and the power of praying in faith. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. 
we were talking or before we left for the break, uh, wanted to get into tapping into the praying the deepest prayer of faith. Uh, say more about that. Yeah. So, you know, Paul says in Philippians chapter four, verse six, Mark, that, that we are to have no anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. So there, St. Paul is, well, being specific, let your requests be known to God. Be specific. And inside of that verse, especially when you translate the Greek, what you get is this sense of also surrender. Let your requests know, be made known to God and let God be God. Right? So St. Paul is saying specific prayer, as we've just talked about it, is a very good thing. But as we pray, there is, we could say, a refined version of what detailed intercessory prayer uh, ought to look like. It is that in prayer, imbued with trust, thy will be done. Thy will be done. It says, Mark, specifically, that I place you, God, as my number one. Why, Mark? Because in the end, when we go to God for our brother or sister in Christ, we know that that God already knows <laughs> what, what is needed, yet he desires that we go to him for all the reasons we just spoke to it. And as we do, he calls us to surrender, to trust. Essentially, what he does is he makes our imperfect intercessory prayer all the more perfect. Now, that does not in any way, shape, or form, Mark, take away from the fact that God desires that we that we be specific. But what it calls for is that as we are specific, uh, we do also need to be open to God who is the optimal good, right? This goes back to a point we discussed in our opening episode that in the end, it is right to go to Jesus. It is right to go to God and and the Trinity asking for their um, presence, for their presence to be made known. And as we do, we have to be mindful that in the end, all intercessory prayer is ordered to the salvation of souls. So yes, on one level, he desires to lavish us goodness and his giftedness, and this is why we pray. And the more we pray, God will act. Why? Because this is what he says he will do. And certainly in our 2,000-year history, there are many, many, many testimonies and stories where we've seen that and we've talked about some of them. But all the while, Mark, inside of that request is a tension. And that tension is uh, best dealt with in and through trust. You know, I like to think of it in the context of silence actually being the answer to our prayer. And while it would be so easy for us, Mark, to say, God says no. God never says no to our prayer. Now, yes, I have said God says yes, no, or not yet. And to some degree, that's true. But when you look at it as it's ordered to the salvation of souls, his no is really a yes, because behind every no is an immeasurable greater yes. And that greater yes is always ordered to the salvation of souls. So, you know, in a case, Mark, where maybe someone is dying and a friend of the someone who is dying puts out a thousand phone calls, uh, what I might call uh, an army of intercessory um, warriors to pray for the, for the someone who is dying. 
that prayer and the fasting that, that might accompany that prayer will bring about divine intervention. I have seen it. I talk about it in the book. If, if in fact, that person is not healed and he dies, there is this element, no doubt, of surrender and trust. A trust that says, I know because you are God that ultimately the death of this someone is what was necessary as it relates to the salvation of souls. So we pray and uh, we pray with specifics, Mark. But as we do to, uh, as we do that, we are mindful to pray those words: "Thy will be done." They're they're the words of Jesus, right? <laughs> Thy will be done. And while it might not make sense to us, the deeper we go into divine re- revelation and the deeper we go into the mystery of God, what we come to understand is on the other side. And we're going to really get to this in our saint for the day. On the other side of what we initially don't understand is an abundance, an abundance of fruit and something that that certainly needs to be talked about as we discuss this all-important topic of praying thy will be done. Well, and Joe, I think there's something to be said. You know, we're talking here praying specifics. So if you're just joining us right now on Awaken, this is Mark and Dr. Joe Holcraft talking about intercessory prayer and praying with specifics. Sometimes, Joe, we hesitate, I think, in uh, praying with specifics, or I don't know if hesitate is the right word, or sim- simply it's when it's not done. Just simply put, when it's not done, I think there's a couple of things that work there. One, because uh, there is a deep truth and reality to it. When we bring prayer, we bring uh, whatever petitions are on our heart, um, wherever they're coming from, whatever the motivation, we bring it to the Lord as a gift. We're asking, we're begging, we're pleading. We bring it to the Lord. We bring it to the King of Cosmos of all time and space. And sometimes we might feel like, well, who am I that God's going to answer my prayer? Well, we are the apple of his eye, as he tells us in scripture. Yeah, yeah. So being the apple of his eye, just to be reminded of that, like he, we, we have his attention. There's not a moment when he's not paying attention to us. So one, just the trap is to think of God as if God thinks like a human. God is not overwhelmed by the billions of people. Would it be that billions of people were asking? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 what is yeah. the population of the earth? 6.5 billion, if that's what it still is. Would it be that we were all begging the Lord? Mm-hmm. I think he would rejoice immensely. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. But so there's one, I think that's one trap is just to, get, to talk ourselves out of it, you know, or, well, he's not going to necessarily, there's so many more, there's so many more important things. Uh, that'd be another lie that's easy to fall for. Um, but also I want to go back to your point of trust. You know, I think Augustine puts it well, and I'm going to, might be paraphrasing this, but when we approach the Father in prayer and we're made to wait, uh, it is a very fatherly thing to do in that, in that waiting. Sometimes it's where we are called and asked to wait, and but to continue to bring it to the Lord so that our hearts might expand. And that's the, the part where I'm quoting Augustine there. We're made to wait so that our hearts would expand. Our hearts would grow bigger. Our dependency on the Lord would grow stronger, more fervent, you know? And so you start to see that we don't necessarily, the temptation might be to grow weary in prayer or to second guess or ask the Lord, are you even hearing me? Mm -hmm. But really it's that opportunity to let that trust grow. Like you were saying earlier, Joe, uh, to let that heart expand, to grow in trust of the father. Um, and, And then coming back, 
I feel like I'm replying to your, your, your thoughts, but these are just the thoughts that are coming to mind because I think it's going to tie right into our saint of the day as well. And not just the saint of the day, but even that very practical piece of writing down the petitions. Mm. Um, but uh, when we talked about St. Paul's letter to uh, the Philippians, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, have yeah. no anxiety at all, but in everything by prayer and yes. petition with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Um, it doesn't say it there, but just the context, the context a little bit of St. Paul writing that is it's communal. Yeah, he's, he's writing to foster community life. Well, how do we foster community life? One great, profound, vulnerable, but, but profound way of fostering community life is to simply pray with each other and for each other, sharing of your needs. Mm-hmm. Which most often, and we discussed this before, that does mean there's a vulnerability there. Yeah, yeah. But then how can we, so to come together and to pray as a community, um, especially, you know, so this great prayer of faith, thy will be done, that's a very profound, vulnerable prayer because it's that surrender you were talking about. Yeah. And so to share in that communally is profound, great fruit for that community um, but then there's also just a very practical, Joe. Keep a list of your intentions and create a sacred space. Yeah. Please, please say more about that, too, because it's so important to have that sacred space. Well, it is, Mark, and there's a number of things here. The first of which is it is very practical. So um, if we have rightfully pray, uh, prayed on the spot, you have you have done your vigilant duty. But if you're anything like me, you need to write it down. <laughs> Why? Because... Yeah. It can be easily forgotten, and we don't want that. Uh, and so I actually have a, a, a list of prayer intentions uh, in my notes section on my iPhone, and it's, it's speaking of expanding, it's, it's expanding. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I growing up was very disheveled and, and disorganized, and I had a roommate in college who just was like the opposite of me. He was very organized, and he wrote everything down. Um, incidentally, including his petitions that he would get. And so that really left an impression upon me. And uh, so I started doing it. Um, and so that's that's part of it. But then the other piece, Mark, if we don't have a holy hour uh, or an adoration chapel, because that's always the best place to go, to create a sacred space in your own homes, a place to go to, a place that's quiet, um, a place where you can go and, and look upon sacred images that you know, images that would encourage reflection and the pondering of healthy and holy things, um, so as to enter deeper into the mystery of prayer. Um, a sacred space is very important. Always putting the crucifix before you. The crucifix is always first. Uh, why? Because ultimately, anytime you surround yourself with sacramental and holy things, it's going to evoke within you uh, sacramental and holy things. And it is a way... Uh, in our material being to be able to uh, begin the process of entering into the mystery of God, right? We are just not soul, but body and soul. And so uh, by entering through the material and and the physical, if you will, um, we can contemplate and and, and ponder the spiritual. So this is why it's important and always to do so in silence, right? Because silence is the place where you can hear God and, and yeah, have that list of petitions right on that table. Uh, look, look at that list, and after you're done with your initial mental prayer, because you know the the intercessor mark is only going to be as good 
as he has already prayed, right? You just don't. I know we've talked about this with respect to prayer on the spot, but even as you pray on the spot, um, that's only going to be as good as you have already prayed, right? So the, the, the praying on the spot um, ultimately yields to the contemplative heart. And so as we enter into meditation and contemplation and these sorts of things, the, the virtue of recollection, uh, then we begin to offer to God the petitions that have been put before us, right? Th- that is um, the ordered good there. And that's what's uh, very important. You know, Mark, on this topic, only because <laughs> I get this question so much as we're talking about um, as we're talking about thy will be done and, and the importance of, of writing petitions down. And I got it again yesterday. Um, it's, it's in this topic that the question is often asked, well, can we change God's mind? And I know I've said it before, but I want to reinforce it again. And I want our listening audience to really appreciate this point that comes to us from Thomas Aquinas. God does not need our prayers to act, but he chooses to use our prayers to act, right? And, and this is part of our baptismal vocation, right? That it, all of divine revelation, all of sacred scripture itself, Mark, you know, God had, had everything in himself. But the moment he loves us into existence, he at once invites us into that love. And a way, uh, one of the ways in which we share in the mystery of love is by doing what? Well, praying for others, right? Praying for others. We, as Colossians one twenty four reminds us, we share in the great mission of uh, of, of salvation by praying for others. And so um, as we do this, Mark, as we order our prayer to God and we, we write our petitions down, know that when we are intentional in this, God is listening. Um, and whether it's the uh, no <laughs> in this moment and behind the no is an immeasurable, immeasurable greater yes, um, that is the place of trust. But do know K-N-O-W, that his no and O is a yes. And that yes is something um, that I has not seen or ear heard, but something that we can uh, look forward to confidently, that in the end, it's always a yes, a yes that is ordered to the salvation of souls and ultimately the beatific vision. Well, and in a spirit of intercession, Joe, uh, that no is an answer. Yes, you know yep. we don't like it a lot. We don't necessarily like it, but again, you know, earlier I referred to just the context of the the cosmos. Yeah, God is God of all the cosmos. Who, um, I think, sometimes what we are limited in seeing is not just the effect of our prayer, the effect of what we're requesting or petitioning. So when we're interceding for others in their need, absolutely, but to trust that God sees the big picture. And God will always will for the greater good and salvation of everyone involved. Amen. And, and to, that's, that's part of that surrender. But I know for me, being that ego-centered, self-centered, that, mm-hmm. that struggle of, yep, yep. but this is, you know, hey, I'm asking for a good thing here. You know, whether it's, you know, about me or my world, the people around me, yeah. just that surrender to the Lord. You know, and Joe, you were talking the importance of sacred space. And what I would like to add to that is also sacred time. Uh, To be very practical, 
you know, for me, uh, just, I find a great place to pray is in my bedroom, just not on my bed. You know, yeah, we have a chair yeah. in our room yeah. and just to go to the chair makes a big difference. Changes my disposition, my, my literal uh, position of just to be more reflective and where I don't, you know, reflect myself to sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, to timing, the timing, you know, my wife, Meredith, she's great at getting up early because that's her sacred time because the busyness of the day catches sure. up to us so sure. fast. Hey, Joe, we got to uh, get ready for a break yeah. here. And when we return, we'll be coming back with our saint of the day, Cardinal Van Twen. And, and I'm honestly not sure that I'm pronouncing that correct, but yeah. when we come back, <laughs> yeah. he's a great venerable of the church. So we'll learn more about this Cardinal when we come back. Stay with us. You've made the right choice to listen to Awaken. Stay with us. There's much more to come after this short break. Is there an event that you would like announced right here on the RPR Network? Please email the details at least two weeks in advance to heather at realpresenceradio.com. That's H-E-A-T-H-E-R at realpresenceradio.com. We can help spread the word about what's happening at your parish and in your diocese. Again, that email address is heather at realpresenceradio.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. Now, back to more Awaken, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Welcome back to Awaken with Mark Holcraft and Dr. Joe Holcraft. And we are now at the point of our show. We'd like to talk about the saint of the day. And Joe, I'm going to ask, how do you pronounce this brother's name? <laughs> yeah, Cardinal Francis Xavier Nguyen Van Juan. Uh, and I, we may get a call from uh, the Vietnamese circles correcting me, but I, I, I think I think we're pretty close. Actually, can I say better you than me? <laughs> no, yeah, no, no. Uh, yeah. So I can't really pronounce his name, but his story is phenomenal, and, and it's yeah. actually being it's kind of being popularized right now, Joe. It's it's getting some uh, some time, whether it's in the airwaves or just reading more about it. Um, well, and I, and I think there's a reason, Mark, if, if I may jump back in. Yeah, um, it's because bet. we live right now in times of great despair and anxiety. And uh, because of his story, he, he has really emerged as the venerable future saint of hope um, because of what he had to endure. And it really comes to no surprise that he is, in fact— um, being popularized right now. I, I think it's something we talked about in, in the beginning, Mark, of our programming, the importance of timing and, and how saints emerge out of a particular uh, story and, and context and history. And no doubt in 2021, when so many live in despair and isolation, and this is this was before the pandemic, certainly the pandemic has made that all the more true, but um, Saint, it's to say, Venerable uh, Francis Xavier uh, Nguyen Van Juan is very important for us because of his story. And in and, and saying that, let's jump to his story, Mark. Yeah, please uh, do. Born in Vietnam, uh, 1928. Uh, he entered the seminary at the young age of 13. He was ordained at the age of 25. So he was ordained uh, June 11th, 1953. And isn't that something we see, Mark? Um, with some of these saints. It's interesting. His story 
is not too different than St. Maximilian Kolbe on many levels, one of which is that they are both ordained at such uh, such young age. Um, and like uh, St. Maximilian Kolbe, who we've already talked about, his popularity grew um, fast, and so he was uh, he was installed as a bishop at the age of 39. But his story, Mark, really takes off on August uh, 15th, 1975, when he was made Archbishop of Saigon, uh, North Vietnam, Saigon, which fell to North Vietnam two days after he was made Archbishop. So <laughs> upon that happening, two days after he's made Archbishop, he was imprisoned uh, by the communist regime for 13 years, nine of which, Mark, was in solitary uh, confinement. Yeah. So yeah. in the darkness of his prison cell in Hanoi, Vietnam, um, he was purged of any self-centeredness. Um, and ultimately, Mark, we can say the heart of a saintly man was forged. Um, in his first few weeks in prison, you know, the archbishop, uh, he struggled uh, a great deal with why this would happen to him because he had plans to be the great catechist of Vietnam. I mean, he had grand plans up to this point before he was imprisoned to catechize the whole country in the deposit of faith. And so um, this is what he accounts. This is this comes from Van Juan. And I just want to read this, Mark. I know we're not in the habit of reading per se uh, from some of these, but this is striking. This is from Van Juan himself, two weeks after he was in isolation. Alone in my prison cell, he writes, I continued to be tormented by the fact that I was 48 years old, in the prime of my life, that I'd worked for eight years as a bishop and gained so much pastoral experience, and there I was, isolated, inactive, and far from my people. One night, from the depths of my heart, I could hear a voice advising me, why torment yourself? You must discern between God and the works of God. Everything you have done and desire to continue to do, pastoral visits, training seminarians, uh, sisters and members of religious orders, building schools, and evangelizing non-Christians, all of this is excellent work, the work of God. But it is not God. If God wants you to give it all up and put the work into His hands, do it and trust him. God will do the work infinitely better than you. He will entrust the work to others who are more able than you. You have only to choose God, not the works of God. <laughs> I mean, how powerful is that, Mark? You know, earlier you were talking about the king of the cosmos, right? Well, how can one not think of the story of Job? Often, Mark, people think of the story of of Job and they say, oh, if we had the patience of Job. Well, right, what's right. interesting, Mark, is I replaced that statement with only if we had the impatience of Job. Why? Because <laughs> Job was an orator. Yeah. His livelihood was to ask questions, and this is what he did. And at the end of the narrative of Job, he was, quote, unquote, satisfied. Well, wait a second. He never got his questions answered. Well, yeah, he did. Answer capital A, God alone. I dare suggest to you that the, the great venerable Francis Xavier Nguyen Van Juan, say it five times fast, yeah. <laughs> was, was the 20th century version of Job. 
Why? Because Mark, his heart was satisfied by his presence. You know, Archbishop Van Wan got to know a little boy by the name of uh, Kwong, I think it was, and Kwong would smuggle in little bits of pieces of paper, and he would take all of the scriptures that he had memorized, and and he would write them down and then re- reflect with them. Um, ultimately, uh, those 300 um, sacred uh, verses from scripture um, became one of his books on hope, by the way. Earlier, we were talking about hope. And so, um, he was also, uh, other things were smuggled in so he can say uh, mass. Uh, he had um, articles smuggled inside of a, a cough syrup bottle so he can say mass. Um, so some wild things happened there in those 13 years. But it was always, again, Mark, ordered to God, understanding the mystery of God in this moment. And for Van Juan, as he would... He began to enter into God himself, not so focused on the works of God that he thought he was going to do, but God himself. And Mark, like Job, he was satisfied. He was satisfied. Well, Joe, and I, you had mentioned uh, on the outset of talking about uh, Cardinal Van Tuan, uh, regarding uh, the, the, his how he's lifted up in our time and at the time in this, when the Holy Spirit raises uh, our attention to come to know and learn about some of these holy men and women, you know, uh, one of the things that is striking to me because it is, it, there's a lot of confusion out there. There's a lot of misconception. There's a lot of misleading, uh, all kinds of things that to cause that confusion. Um, one of the, it's a small detail, but I think God's attention in every way uh, one of the details regarding this cardinal is he uh, was a nephew to the first president of South Vietnam. Who was assassinated. Um, I think I have that right. Yeah. Who was, who was assassinated. assassinated. Yeah. But, and I, I just, I just draw that out a little bit because you can't tell me that this cardinal was not privy to the political scheming. Oh, yes. Right? Sure. In his day Absolutely. and time and whatever that looked like, whatever that looked yeah. like. But all the more, because more and more, I think one of the pressures in our society is to see the world through the lens of politics where, where, uh, as opposed to the, through the lens of faith. Yeah. And so we start to see things not as they really are, but with preconceived ideas and notions. And I think that's one of the witnesses that this cardinal points to us uh, this great venerable is just that, like always to be reminded we must approach life seeing things through the lens of faith because that is where it will be most most true. Uh, that is where, you know, to come back to the very first scripture we spoke of today from Mark 10, where we will see most clearly, I want to see, and we want to see clearly, Hanjo. And this is one of the great, I think, signs or witnesses, that one of the great testimony, a testimony of hope, that Cardinal provides for us this venerable is uh, it's one small piece and it's what's standing out to me. Maybe this is what's preaching to me, Joe Sure, <laughs> is to see things through a lens of faith, always to be reminded to know the deepest truth and to be known by the deepest truth is to uh, see with a lens of faith. This, this is how we're to approach the world. Uh, and it's also how we're going to change the world to that. We are called. Amen. Uh, and this is, this is what we see with this great venerable uh, reminding us there's lots of distractions out there. And you know, earlier you said, dare I say, so dare I say that one of those distractions is to look at life through 
that political lens that uh, mm. sometimes, uh, you know, wherever people are at, for better or worse, sometimes it, it really does, it does not align with the faith, in particular, our Catholic faith. You know, and so to just a great reminder for us, um, what what an apostle of hope that Cardinal Van Twan is for us. I, and I'm using different titles. These are totally unofficial titles sure. for our listeners' sure. sake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, you know, no, go ahead, Mark. You're you're speaking to something important here again because while you're making the distinction between politics and faith, what we are made to see in history, and Jesus Christ Himself, right, going to the cross is it has a political context. So say, for example, in Vietnam, if, if they had a republic, a democracy um, that did not fall to, to communism, uh, he would, we would not have the story of Van Juan, right? So right. It's, it's to enter into the mystery of the time we live in today, right? We say, I think, you know, a lot of people say, why me? Why this situation? Well, you know, what's funny about it, Mark, is uh, the great venerable <laughs> Van Juan was able to genuinely, genuinely pray that beautiful four-word prayer, Thy will be done, because he first asked that all-important two-word question, Why me? But he did so, as you were speaking to, in faith. And what he had come to realize is that the work of God was God alone, and that ultimately he was going to care for what we thought was the quintessential, that ultimately it is about faith, it is about trust, it is about surrender, right? Uh, first beatitude is blessed are the poor in spirit. That's the enawim of God, Mark, the Hebrew there. The enawim of God are those who are bent over, the poorest of the poor. They are the ones who understand the ways of God. Uh, in, in, in light of that, if we can ask the question genuinely, or when we ask the question genuinely, because we all have the tendency to do it, why me? If you do so in faith, not doubting, but seeking understanding. Remember that uh, to, to question uh, isn't to doubt. That's a, a contemporary version of, of that word. It truly means to seek to understand. If we are asking the question, why me, in faith— seeking understanding, uh, then and only then will we be able to pray that word, thy will be done. And God will illumine that path over time. I mean, earlier again, we were talking about hope. His, his great trilogy that came out from this, these 13 years, and then uh, John Paul II made him the president of the Pontifical Council for Peace, and he had given retreats, and uh, some of those retreats and conferences uh, became a book. And so ultimately we have from Van Juan, the road to hope, the prayers of hope, and testimony of hope. Okay, uh, These titles, these books, these works that, as you said, have been popularized of recent, ultimately are a source of encouragement for us. And the source of encouragement, Mark, in the end is, as we pray, why me? Be sure to pray in faith. Thy will be done, that God indeed will illumine the path. And this does not detract in any way, shape, or form the call to pray with specifics. It only refines it, sharpens it, and ultimately makes whatever is imperfect, perfect and more holy. Amen to that.
Amen to that. Exactly. I feel like we should close in prayer with that. Okay. <laughs> you know? yeah, okay. uh, but we do have just a few more minutes. Um, but really, you're raising up great points. You know, and that is something that's been brought to me uh, more and more lately is people are concerned. People are scared. People are scared to have kids right now, Joe. They're yeah. scared to have yeah. kids because yeah. they're not sure they want to raise their kids. And they, it's that uncertainty. You know, we hear so often that things are getting worse. I'm not sure we want to raise our kids in this. Um, and so it's these making these decisions out of fear, you know, instead of uh, uh, confidence in the Lord. But that the Lord might call us to have kids at such a time as this, mm-hmm. you know? And so again, to see things through that lens of faith, um, like you said, not to approach in doubt, but in genuine question, a genuine, like bring it to the Lord. What is this with an open heart? You know, if we're going to ask why, why is this with an open heart? Reckoning with the idea that we very well could be a part of the answer, you know, and that in God's time, it, it is often his act of mercy that he's not going to reveal that answer all at once, mm-hmm. but that we Amen. are a part of the story, yep. Amen. that we are part of, you know, from one moment at a time. Because the reality is, it, Joe, and we, I think for many of us, if we were made aware of God's plan and what he no. had for us and he unfolded no. it, we would run. Yep. Yep. You know, yep. I'd be done. Yep. You know, <laughs> I wouldn't want any part of that. Even to the apostles, um, he didn't. He was very, very slow. Yep. Right. Yeah. Right. The great. You know, and, and we can that. say intentional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Lord is very intentional. Yeah. Uh, so I uh, that that's as you were talking, that's what surfaced for me too, um, and that's why I just want to invite our listeners into that. You know, um, and make a, a note here too. This is a bit of a tangent, but. Uh, if you're just tuning in and you've you've missed today's Awaken episode as we come near our end, you can tune in through uh, tuning in online uh, where you can find our apps and podcasts. And if you just go to uh, realpresenceradio.com slash awaken, you can find our our different podcasts of this episode since we started a few months ago. Um, but in particular, if you want to learn more about Cardinal Van Thuan, uh, I think I've pronounced his name three different ways <laughs> now, Joe. So, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, but if you want to learn more about him and some of ben these Juan. great saints, uh, and, and even, I mean, obviously, the first part of his name, he's looking to the great uh, forebears of faith before yeah, him, he is. you know, with Francis yeah. Xavier. Yeah. And this is what we're called to do. This yeah. is what we're asked to do. Uh, so for our listeners, if you've missed this episode and you want to tune in, uh, just go to realpresenceradio.com slash awaken and you can find our other podcasts there. Uh, Joe, we got to bring our time to an end for this morning. Always good to be with you, Joe. Always good. Absolutely. Mark. Um, let's just wrap this morning up with the glory be. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. This has been Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Awaken comes to you every second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. 
Want to listen to the show again? You can find the podcast any time of the day or night on our website at realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or on the Real Presence Radio app in the podcast section. Again, that's realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or in the free Real Presence Radio app. Be sure to join us again next time for more Awaken with Mark and Dr. Joe Hullcraft.